Welcome to Intrepid Media, the show for the business professional. Here, we're going to talk about business topics such as leadership, sales, marketing, HR, innovation, strategy, and technology. But we're also going to riff about lifestyle too and help you look better, feel better, and live better. This show is everything the modern business professional needs, from the C-level executive to the millennial. So let's get on with the show. Good morning and welcome back to, well, you know, I don't even know if to call this intrepid business or intrepid lifestyle. The conversation I'm about to have sort of feeds into both of those worlds. So what I'm going to do is just welcome you to the intrepid show because we're going to talk about both business and lifestyle today. Going to be a great conversation. Uh, I get a lot of pitches via email and uh, when this one came across my inbox, Seemed pretty intriguing, so looking forward to the conversation. I'm joined this morning by Amy Charity. She is a former professional cyclist and the author of a new book called The Wrong Side of Comfortable. Going to be a great conversation. Amy, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Uh, the pleasure is mine, Amy. Before we get into a conversation about this important book, take a quick minute and tell us a bit about you, your background, and the work that you're currently doing. Okay. Yes. So I was in a corporate career for 15 years. I worked at Capital One, a credit card company, and most recently in investor relations at a hedge fund. And I discovered bike racing late in life. I was in my mid-30s and left that career to pursue a career in cycling. And so I'll, I'll talk a lot more about that as we go, but essentially... I've I've written about my journey of doing that. So kind of taking taking a major risk and leaving a very comfortable life to pursue the unknown and all of the the amazing things that happened along the way. And so I've just recently retired from from professional racing. Well, you retired as a champion too. Don't uh, don't forget to mention that. Yeah, there were some really exciting things that happened along the way, and our team did win the Team Time Trial National Championships, and we had the opportunity to race in the World Championships. So there were some really unbelievable highs that happened in uh, in that bike racing three-year experience. Yeah, sounds very, very cool. I'm looking forward to getting more into that. Uh, all right, so again, the new book is called The Wrong Side of Comfortable, Chase your dream, discover your potential, transform your life. All right, so I ask some variant of this question to virtually every guest I have on this show because most of you have written a book on a subject where, so if you were to go to Amazon, say, and type in the search window, I want to chase my dream, I want to discover potential, I want to transform my life, there are going to be literally probably thousands of titles that talk about those themes. So let me ask you this, Amy, why did the world need Amy Charity's version of trying to figure these things out about our lives? Well, I think to start with it, it's that it was, I wasn't born a cyclist. I didn't start this as a, as a young girl and followed that passion all along the way. It was something that I discovered really late in life. And I think that that can be a valuable lesson to to listeners, to anybody out there, which is, it's never too late. It, and it really isn't. I was 34. My, my teammates were in their mid-20s on average, and they had been racing for 10 years by their mid-20s. So in my example, it was that I, I picked something up that seemed unlikely and 
through just small steps and, and evaluating where I was and, and taking it to the next level, I was able to accomplish a lot. And I hope that people who read the book will, will think through some of those things as well. And that's that, gosh, if you have that passion that's out there, if you have something that maybe you've neglected at some point because you're in your career now and you have your family and you, you've kind of you've settled into a life and there are a few things out there that you wish you had done. My message is you can start now and you may discover something that, that you have a talent for or your, your absolute potential. So I, I think that my story is unique in that I was just a 34 year old woman who, who pursued a passion and, and found some great success. Well, what frustrates me is that most people may have a passion but they will never have the courage to pursue it. I mean, I commend you for what you did. And I, although I didn't become a professional cyclist, I left a corporate career and did something very different because it was a, a different path that I wanted to take. And there's a lot of stories about people who have successfully done that, but obviously most people haven't. And that's and it's sad to me that someone like Amy Charity has to write a book about this because there's still a really dramatic need out in the world for people who are stuck in their in a life going down a path that they, they that does not motivate them does not inspire them How, you know with with books like this Amy and like, like I said earlier a lot of other material out there that that gives you some ideas on how to do these kinds of things make these kind of changes most people are still stuck how come we how come this kind of a book still has to be written today why why haven't we figured this out well so i i really i i really get the sort of the dilemma that people are in because I spent from college through 34 in a career that was, I, I enjoyed it. There was nothing, it wasn't that this is miserable. I'm, I'm living this terrible life. I, I made a good salary. I had insurance, health benefits, a lot of really nice things. And so it's what I describe as being very comfortable. And when you decide to take a step outside of your comfort zone to pursue something. In my example of bike racing, there are, there are a lot of things that you, you don't know which direction they're going to go. So when I talk to my friends, colleagues, people my age, mostly they say, well, you know, my job's pretty good, but how I couldn't leave it because I'm married. I have a house. I have a family. I have health insurance. I, I need to pay a mortgage. And so I think that it's in my in my example. I think taking little steps and not not necessarily quitting your job, moving, selling your house, but just doing those little things that are pursuing that passion are are critical to really discovering what's out there. So I think that I think it does continue. I think it does need to be written again and again to remind people that it it and that's the whole premise of my book. It will be uncomfortable. This is not like, oh, you leave your career and you you're doing things you love and everything's great then because there are a lot of moments that are not comfortable. Well, let's examine that because that's that's obviously key to figuring this out, no matter how you do it, no matter what that passion is. And, and we might have time to talk about that you still can do some of these things without quitting your day job. So we want to talk about that too. Maybe yep. we can call that a, like a side hustle or something. But this idea right, yeah. this idea of, of 
be not being afraid of the wrong side of comfortable. I, I think still most people are afraid of that idea. And there's a million ways you could just, you could define that. Uh, this Here's the deal. When I, I'm 48, and, and it was about a decade ago when I finally realized, I finally learned the lesson that it's okay to be uncomfortable. In fact, it, it struck me that that's where true happiness is. When you begin to understand that that's just I, life, there's no way to avoid that. And you have to embrace it. And then ultimately, once you do, well, then you don't want to live life any other way because that's where the excitement comes and the challenges and the growth and the learning. I mean, right? Is, do I have, am I on the right path there? Exactly. I mean, it's, yes. it's once yes. you learn that, that then suddenly life can become really intriguing. Yeah. So I dive into that a lot of, I think I, I always think of it as you have this comfort zone that you can expand. And from there is a learning zone. And so when I think of cycling specifically, because that's a, a pretty easy example to, to think through, when I'm with my teammates and they're pushing my limits of how fast I can go, let's say on a descent, and they're saying, you know, stay on my wheel, you, you can take this corner at this speed, I am pushing outside of my, I'm nervous and I'm, I'm sort of on the edge, but I'm learning. And, and I think that you can kind of cross that line where you're pushing that just, you know what, I'm going to put my brakes on. I'm going to keep it here at 20 miles per hour versus, nope, I'm going to stay on the, the bike wheel in front of me and I'm going to go 35, 40. That, that is a kind of a, a good example of taking it into that learning zone. Where I think you can take it too far, I think once you go into a panic zone, let's say we take that same example, but the roads are wet and there's traffic. Well, then that's when you're in a panic zone. You're no longer learning. You're terrified. It's flight or fright. That is where you are no longer learning. And I think if you if you push it a little too far, that's when you're in panic. So I think that that getting outside of your comfort zone, it, it obviously doesn't have to be on a bike. It can be making a phone call to somebody and talking to them about a new job. It can be, uh, you know, asking for a raise. There are a lot of different things you can do that take you outside. And that's where you're in that new area where you're learning and you're growing. Well, the, the point I want to make using your example of going downhill on a bike at a high speed, just the mere thought of that, thinking about doing it myself freaks me the heck out right now just listening to you talk about it <laughs> and then you, then he added in variables like a wet road or traffic and all that it really gets scary but the point i want to make is i bet the first time you did it it was really scary but the second time you did it it was a lot less scary and i, I think of an example like the first day at school or the first day at a new job that first day is really freaky because you don't know where to park you don't know what elevator to get in. You don't know what your receptionist is going to do when you walk in the front door. It's spooky. But then on day two, it's an entirely different matter. Same thing with school. And that's the point I want to make here is that, yeah, virtually everything in our life the first time is scary and intimidating and unknown. But the second attempt, is a, that's, that's the lesson. You just have to overcome that first fear. Because then, yes, you know, yes. I mean, right? You're, you're expanding, you're expanding what you think is comfortable. Yes, exactly. Now, I don't think twice about going in the 40 mile per hour range downhill on a road bike that that just doesn't even concern me whatsoever. And so I think that you you once you expand that, then you're you're in this new area of growth and learning. And so I really try to emphasize that that 
to make anything happen, you've, you've got to do that. If you stay in your comfortable job, your comfortable life, that you're, you're not going to ever even understand what you're capable of. All right. Amy and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpeetler.com. All right, I am back with Amy Charity, the author of a new book called The Wrong Side of Comfortable. All right, so Amy, we uh, pretty much dove into how to begin to overcome fear in the top half of the show. Uh, you talk also about grit and perseverance and a positive mindset. These are things that a lot of people talk about, and I worry because so many people talk about these things. Someone listening says, oh, how in the heck do I actually do that? Do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, it's one thing to write it down. It's one thing to say, hey, I had a successful tra- transition in my life. But how do you actually help teach someone to be grittier or, or uh, just talk about how to actually talk, do those things in a real life way? Yeah, it, it is interesting. Grit has become such a buzzword lately, right. and but it, it's it's critical. And I think it, it applies to, I hear parents asking how their five-year-old kids can be more gritty in their schoolwork or their soccer practice. And then you take that all the way to military or in a workplace. And, and on the bike, it was really, it was really interesting to kind of observe what what those characteristics were. So I, I think in general, I would call most cyclists fairly gritty. It's a, it's a sport of suffering, but the, the components that anyone can take away are number one is you've got to want something badly enough to really go after it and get into a point where you are in the case of cycling that you are suffering. And so that that in the back of your mind of absolutely desperately more than anything wanting something, whether it's to finish and win the race or anything along those lines, I think that's the the bottom line essential component. But I also think that it's there. There's a lot of research has been done. Angela Duckworth is the sort of the expert psychologist who has written books about it. And, and she has an equation and it's essentially that effort counts twice. So while you need to be talented and you need to have skill, the most important piece of it is, is trying. So I, I love that. I think that's inspirational. So you take someone who is a gifted cyclist and they have, if you do all of their physiological testing and they're off the charts, you know, like a, let's take Lance Armstrong because everyone knows who he is. He was off the charts with uh, just what his body output was, even naturally. So you take somebody like him who has the, the, the skill and that innate talent, 
but you have to have the effort as well. And so in, in a very tangible level for people who are listening, I think it's when you, when you want to finish that 5K race or when you want to get a report finished that's the best ever, you really have to want it. And that's first. And then the effort comes in and then you have to operate under the assumption that you have some level of talent and skill for the ability to do it. Well, this idea of cycling being a sport of suffering, if I had to guess, when you look back upon your cycling career, it was the hard rides. It was the, you know, the bad weather, the wet roads, the, you felt bad, you had a knee injury or whatever. Those are the experiences I suspect when you look back on your career that you're going to really treasure because you overcame adversity. And, and, and I want people to understand life is a sport of suffering. I mean, it's not easy. Even the most successful people out there have lousy days and bad experiences. It's okay. Suffering, frankly, is a good thing in the context of, hey, it's an, it's an obstacle with, that you can you have the power to do something about and overcome it. And, and when you do, that's worth celebrating. Why are we so afraid of suffering in our life? Do you have any comments on that? Yeah, I think it's just it's it's when you're in it, you it's hard to keep perspective. So I know that when I'm on the bike and my heart rate is in the high 180s and I am absolutely there are points where I think I would I almost want to like crash because I want how I am I feel to end so badly like and it's hard to keep perspective that it, it's going it's going to end. And that sounds so basic and so obvious, which is of course, when this race is over, of course, in a half hour or an hour, however long your race is, that you will come out of it and you will be okay. But I think it's so hard to remind yourself that. And that's true in life too. When you're going through something, you lose your job, let's say. It is, it's hard to imagine that you're going to get your confidence back, get your pride back. And, and you do. But it's, it's just it's time that kind of gets you to that point. And I always try to remind myself that on the bike when it's you, you nothing feel, it doesn't feel good. You, <laughs> you absolutely want it to end and you want it to end immediately. And if you can just think this, this will be okay at some point, then that's, that's at least helpful to get you through it to some extent. You've also talked and talked about this idea uh, that feeling uncomfortable is likely a sign that you're making the right moves, making the right decisions. Talk about that. Yeah. So the the sort of the the title that I came up with for the book, the wrong side of comfortable, is it, it became very meaningful. And I I give this example because I think it helps emphasize that message. But I was on a a bike ride with my husband. It was a training ride. We were at the end of sixty miles. It had been a long day. And he, I was sitting right behind him riding and he was going 20 miles per hour and I was absolutely fine. And then he started to pick up the pace and I looked down at my bike computer and it was 22 and then it was 24 and then it was 25 miles per hour. And I could just feel my, my lungs were burning. My legs were starting to pound everything everything started to hurt. And I told him, can you please just slow it down a little bit? Like, let's just get home. And he said, darling, he's British. And he said, darling, you're just on the wrong side of comfortable. And I will never forget that because I, at the time I was like, no, I'm in agony. But I, I started to really visualize there's, there's one side that you feel good right now. I feel great. I'm sitting down. Nothing hurts. I'm not suffering, but 
there is just the wrong side. You're, you're not actually in agony. You're not actually dying. You're just over that edge. And I, and I just think that that that's really helped me visualize what it means to be, to be there, to be on the wrong side of comfortable and that that's okay. Actually, I was, I was getting faster. That was proper training. That's exactly where I needed to be to start to become a stronger, more powerful, a faster cyclist. Well, we're certainly not saying and advocating that you should always be on that wrong side of comfortable, but if your life is always comfortable or your job is always comfortable or you're training, if you're trying to run a marathon and you never hurt, well, you're not doing it right. I mean, you're not pushing yourself. And, That's and, right. And I mentioned the example of how odd uh, the first day at a new job or a new school or a new project, whatever the case may be, is. And then after a couple of attempts and a couple of days, it suddenly feels comfortable. The thing I've learned in my life is that, all right, it's great. And it's good to get to that comfort level. But then that's also symbolic of the fact, all right, you got to push yourself again. You need to do something else. Yeah. And I love the the way the, the title came, uh, hearing the story from your husband. It's fascinating because that helps me understand the genesis of that and what it means. And I mean, I think... I think the am I correct in understanding that the point of this book is, hey, you need to find the wrong side of comfortable because you're going to realize you can survive it and it's actually going to make you better. That's exactly right. Like you, you might not even know what your your potential is, but to get there, to absolutely do the the best you can at something you love, you you've got to push those limits, and that's the whole idea of it is. It doesn't matter to me if you're 12 and you're starting your first soccer game or you're 65 and you want to go get your MBA. I think it's okay to try that. So I think that it's not too late and it's just going to require you to start now, take action, do something. And, and it's, it won't be easy. It'll be worth it. It won't be easy though. Right. It will be worth it. And it shouldn't be easy. That's the point I want to be sure that we're making here is that yeah. and you, ought to, you ought to yearn for that. You ought to want that challenge because that's the stuff you're going to remember on your deathbed is the challenges that you overcame or the valiant fight that you put up. Maybe you failed, but boy, you're going to treasure the fact that you gave it a, a good run. And, and that's that's so important. Talk about teamwork here. I mean, obviously with the team uh, cycling that you did, that teamwork was critical to to the process. Everything we do in our life is an individual sport, sure, but but teamwork is really essential. To do the kind of things we're talking about here, having a team with you and supporting you and helping you and guiding you and coaching you and encouraging you, I mean, you really can't do it without that, right? Yeah, cycling is is fascinating as a, a kind of example of what teamwork is about and how it works. And a lot of people don't don't know this about cycling, but you have you have one person on the team who is your top rider and they are the one that everyone else is working for. And so in most races, there would be eight of us on our team and each of us have a different role. And that role all builds to help our, our top rider get on to the podium. So finish top three. And my job as a bike racer was what they call a domestique. And that's somebody who is protecting that, that rider to win. And so what that means is if she needs, if she needs fluids, if, if we're three hours into a race and she needs food and she or her water bottles are empty, 
I will ride back to the team car and get them and bring them to her. It means that she'll never sit in the wind because in cycling, drafting is a big deal. So I will protect her from that. It means if she has a mechanical on her bike that I give her mine and then I wait for the team car to bring me a spare bike. So everything I'm doing is to get her to win the race. And then how a race finishes is I do something called leading her out. So that means I go absolutely as hard as I can for from one mile to go until 500 meters to go. And so I absolutely burn every match I have. And then I, I sit up and I get out of the way and she finishes that final sprint. And the reason that that she has the final sprint and not me is because of we know our physical capabilities and she is a better sprinter than I am. And we know that for our team to be on the podium, that that's our best case scenario. And so in cycling, we all have specific roles on the team and it's very important to get sort of our, first of all, know what our strengths are, know what we're good at, but then also to get the ego out of the way. So it's never my job to finish first. It's my job to get my teammate to finish first. And I think it's the most compelling example of a solid functioning team that I can think of because that, that applies to corporate as well. If, if I'm not trying to take all the recognition for a project, if I'm trying to be the one who knows what my specific role is and I do that job and I do it well, then I'm helping my manager look good and I'm helping my manager accomplish what they need to from a bigger perspective. So I think cycling is just this perfect analogy of what teamwork is all about. Well, you also just explained to most of my audience what they're actually seeing when they watch like the Tour de France. Because <laughs> yes. I don't think most people understand exactly. how that's Why really supposed to. <laughs> right, right. They never understand this, exactly. the idea of a, of a team. Uh, but uh, uh, no, that's a great w- way to illustrate how you need a support structure uh, in your life. And, and it's okay to have coaches and mentors and, and it's okay to go to a therapist and have someone help you on that front. It's not a sign of weakness. It's just part of your team. Exactly. It, you know, and yeah. so you just can't be afraid of that. Yeah, no, you're striving for, you know, perhaps an individual goal, but you just can't do it. I, I just, I ran a marathon this year and I could not have done it without a bunch of people, mm. you know, so uh, it wasn't, it yeah. wasn't my victory. It was a victory of everyone who, who sort of helped me out. And like my wife who helped me with my diet and encourage me on days I didn't want to run and all that kind of thing. So you can't do it uh, alone and, and you shouldn't do it. Uh, you still can get your individual honor, sure, but but you, you have to acknowledge that no matter what you're doing, whether you're on a professional cycler or running a marathon or, or trying to run a company or even a division within a company, you, you need that team and you, you need to embrace that. So I guess before we go, Amy, a couple other thoughts um, to, that I think are probably relevant to some folks listening to the show. Uh, we mentioned at the very top of the show that you know you don't have to give it all up at 34 years old and become a professional cycler. You can still do some impactful, important, meaningful things in your life without quitting your day job. Any any thoughts there that would be helpful to someone listening? Yeah, I think on on that front, it's. When you have something that you want to do, let's say, I, I think an example would be you want to learn a language. There there's steps you can do, keep your day job, but start taking those initial steps that 
that show that this is something you want to do. And in that case, it would be you're buying your audiobooks and listening on your drive. You're starting to join groups of people who speak that language. You're taking these initial steps that are, are leading you in that direction. That's, that's kind of your most basic, easy thing is just you start somewhere, start now. But I think there, there ultimately comes a point where you think through your trade-offs and, and it doesn't, it certainly doesn't need to be quitting your job, but maybe it's less time on social media or less time watching TV. And that time that you are no longer on Facebook, you are studying the language. So I think that you start with just taking action, but then you, the next step is to think through what, what can I give up? What are my low hanging fruits that I probably don't need that I can spend on that, that goal or that thing that I'm going towards? So that's, that's the second one. And I think the third is just letting people know because it, it goes back to sort of our teamwork and our, our village to make our dreams come true or to pursue passions. But I always find no matter what it is that I want to do, whether it's a, a certain job or this, this whole career transition of bike racing, that putting it out there and letting everyone from immediate friends and family to other people know that you, you open doors. People remember that and they say, oh yeah, she wanted to learn a new language. I'm, I just found this and I think this might be helpful. I just met this person and I think maybe she would be interested in speaking with them. So I think that it's kind of put that out to, to people that you're around, what it is that you're trying to accomplish. And it's amazing the doors that begin to open. No doubt about it. Or if you hear silence, then you need to surround yourself with different people is another lesson yes. you can learn from that. One final comment from you that I'd like uh, before we close. Uh, I mean, you did all this uh, after a successful career at 34, became a professional cycler. I find a dollar for everyone who I've known and talked to or read about that said, eh, I'd love to do that, but I'm just too old. <laughs> and I'm just going to settle into my routine and go home and watch Netflix. Any any thoughts about someone? I mean, I, I love the idea of someone at 65 suddenly doing something radical in their life and, and doing something different yeah. and pursuing a, a goal or a dream or a passion that they've always wanted to but never had the courage to do it. It's a great story. I love hearing about that. But yet most people are still unwilling to do that because they say it's just too late. Any any thoughts there? Yeah, just that there it, it sounds so cliche to say it's never too late. But what I always I try to do is fast forward your life 10 years, 20 years, no matter how old you are, and think, like, what am I going to regret? Like, if, and, and I thought that a lot when I was in a corporate career. And I basically met this crossroads with, do I stay in this wonderful job that's, that's successful and going well? Or do I take this leap of faith and do something that's fairly unknown? And I, and I fast forwarded to what, when I'm 50, when I'm 60, when I'm 70, am I going to look back and think you really killed it in corporate and you made a lot of money and you have a nice house and you have a nice car? Or am I going to think back and like, whoa, you raced in the world championships in cycling. Like what, what am I going to be more proud of? What is more fulfilling? And after doing that fast forward, I thought, you know, I, I need to, I need to pursue the bike racing thing. That is, that's what I will be more proud of if, for accomplishments. And so I think if you're in your sixties, it doesn't matter. Fast forward to when you're 80 and think, 
yeah, will I be more proud if I stayed comfortable in what I'm doing? Or should I go travel where I want to go? Should I, should I write a book? You know, whatever it is that you're interested in doing. So I think that sort of fast forward method works pretty well to think through what, what am I going to regret? What am I going to be proud of? Yeah, brilliant. What I also do is uh, apply the cocktail party test. So if I'm at a cocktail party and someone says, well, what do you do? What, what do you want to yeah. what do you what do, what do you want to say I mean what, what, what do you want to tell someone That's another great do you want to say hey I'm I'm a corporate guy or no I uh uh I host live radio oh oh interesting you know yeah. that's you know they could care less about my 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 corporate job and sitting in a cube and going to meetings <laughs> wow that's really exciting so exactly. so <laughs> and your powerpoint presentations that you pull together yeah i can i can hammer yeah. it out on powerpoint i'm an expert well <laughs> not to impugn all you powerpointers uh but uh yeah, yeah i think you're getting a really fun conversation i appreciate you making time and and appreciate you sharing your story before i let you go should anyone have any questions of you about any of this uh, how do they contact you learn about your current work and and most important Importantly, where do they get their hands on a copy of The Wrong Side of Comfortable? Yes, I would I would love any questions or follow-up that anyone has. I'm always interested in the dialogue. My book is available at Amazon. It's also on my website, which has all of my upcoming events and where you can find me. And it, you can get a signed copy of my book if you order it from my website. And that is amymcharity.com. All right. Amy Charity, the author of the new book called The Wrong Side of Comfortable. Amy, great to have you. Thanks again for stopping by and joining us. My pleasure. All right. All the time we have for today. Again, on behalf of my guest, Amy Charity, I am Todd Schnick. We'll see you again soon on Intrepid Media. Thank you for listening to Intrepid Media. We appreciate your attention. To receive everything we do, simply go to IntrepidMailingList.com. That's IntrepidMailingList.com and sign up. You can also find us at Intrepid.media and on iTunes. And to support the important work we do on your behalf, a rating and review on iTunes will help spread our work far and wide. Again, we certainly appreciate your support. Now get out there, be intrepid, and we'll see you next time.